How's it going, my jungle critters? Hope everyone's had a good week so far. We're halfway through. We're nearly at that weekend. And I tell you what, the bloody weather here in Perth is getting awesome. We're like in spring at the moment, and it's just started to warm up nicely. I think we've got a 30 degree day tomorrow, which is, that's in Celsius. Uh, I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. I don't know, 75 or something, 80. Google it. I don't know the conversion. Um, I've had a good week so far. I've been uh, hitting the gym pretty hard. I drank on Saturday night. I had a big, big drinking session, and I, I I don't drink that often. Maybe once every few weeks. So I've been finding now when I have a big night. Yeah, I feel it now. I mean, I don't get hungover, but I just feel so unmotivated for the next couple of days like I won't go to the gym or anything I just get super lazy and uh, that's what happened this time so Monday and Tuesday I was hitting the gym trying to get back into the routine of things and uh, now I'm going to bring you a really cool podcast episode and the success from the call-ins that I've been doing like people sending me voice clips and emails and things. Uh, a lot of people really loved it, so I'm just going to continue with that. And last week, I got quite a lot. I could only fit a few into last week's episode. And this week, I've got a whole new fresh back batch for you. So if you have any cool topics you want me to talk about, any questions... Uh, any interesting animal stories that has happened to you or anyone you know, then send them in. I do prefer voice recordings, uh, but you can send me it written down on email if you want to. And if you want to send a voice recording, you can do it over Instagram. You can DM me with uh, a voice recording. I'll just screenshot it and take the audio from it. Or you can record it on your phone on the little voice recording app and just email it to me. Either way, whatever's easier. I will get that audio one way or the other. Uh, so I'm going to start it off this episode with an email I got. It wasn't a voice recording, but it was a really interesting email and I had to I have to talk about it. Uh, this is from Alyssa. And the email says, Hello, you don't have to share this since I didn't send a voice message, but it's still interesting. My nephew was attacked by a grizzly bear in Wyoming a couple of years ago. And she sent the link to the news article. He had to shoot it to save his life. So unfortunately this bear was uh, was killed during this, this in this process. Sad part, and she says, sad part and I don't fully understand is we were told they had to find the two cubs and put them down because they witnessed the mother being killed. Okay. We'll get into that in a second, but I'm looking at the photos she sent me of her nephew and good lord, they are pretty intense, hey? One of his arms just has these two giant bite marks out of it. Like, if you were to take a bite of an apple, that, that's what it looks like. And you can see all the muscles and everything, like they're big bloody holes in his arm. And his torso just has claw marks all over it. 
some of them are like holes where the claws have gone in. Some are like scratches, but he's, he's torn up. And then there's another photo of his face and his face has blood all over it. Like, honestly, he was very lucky to survive this. And he's going to have some bloody good scars. <laughs> if anything good comes, of that, comes out of this, it's the scars he's going to be left with. Like, damn, he might, he might beat me. But regarding those cubs, uh, so a bear's at its most dangerous when it's a sow, which is a female, with cubs. Uh, female bears get fiercely protective over their cubs. And I'm not sure what the scenario was with this, whether or not he was bear hunting or, or what, but he obviously had a gun with him. Um... And unfortunately there's, fortunately, there's been a human-animal confrontation there. And the mother was shot and killed. But the reason why the cubs would have been killed is because they would not survive without the mum. The most, and as horrible as it sounds, the most humane thing to do with those cubs would be they, they destroy them. It is absolutely horrible. It sucks so damn bad. Uh, but those cubs would have died a very slow and prolonged death without the mother. They would have starved to death or, you know, succumbed to the environment or predators because larger, you know, things like coyotes and wolves will predate on bear cubs and also other bears will as well. Uh, and they're not going to rescue the cubs because then the cubs will be raised in captivity and habituated to people and it's it's a lot to deal with. Uh, so that, that would be why the officers uh, would have killed them cubs. And how to prevent a bear attack? Like, there's lots of different scenarios that come into play. I mean, the whole playing dead thing works depending on the circumstances. And the circumstances with this grizzly bear attack with this female and her cubs um, playing dead probably would have been the best option there because that bear doesn't necessarily want to eat you she just wants to dis dispatch of you so you're not a threat to the cubs so if she attacks you and you play dead job done cubs are protected she can move on now during that attack, you playing dead, that could lead to life-threatening injuries. Like, this guy was messed up pretty damn bad. Uh, if it's a bear that wants to eat you, then playing dead isn't the best option. Because you're just an easier meal for it. You know, in that case, you do have to fight back. You do have to yell at it. You do have to try and make yourself as big as possible. I mean, it's hard when grizzly bears can be 10 feet bloody tall you know 800 pounds plus in some circumstances uh so then you know even trying to outrun a bear is hard they can run 30 miles an hour you know <laughs> so your best option is to just try and prevent any confrontation with a bear and that's when you walk in the woods some people sing loudly uh so you don't surprise a bear if you surprise a bear, it is, you know, it could be inclined to attack. Uh, people 
you know, so do the whole yo bear, yo bear, yo bear, you know, make a lot of noise, try and just let the bear know that you're in the area. Ah, <sighs> yeah, it, it it sucks it because one bear had to, one bear died, all of them died, you know, the cubs and everything. It sucks, but yeah, it it happens. You know, you just got to try and prevent it best you can. Um, okay, on to our next voice recording. This is from Nuva. Hey mate, well, I have an interesting story. Uh, I've been working with primates since a long time ago. And one of the best experiences that I had was working with bonobos in RDC in Congo. So after maybe six months working with them, I was following one female, her name is Rita, and she was hanging out a lot with the dominant male. Uh, his name is Dango. So, when in the following, they start playing, just chasing one each, uh, each other. And then, at some point, the female, Rita, just lie down on her back, open her legs, and you know this, as in chimpanzees, bonobos also has this, female bonobos have this uh, swelling, and they have the clitoris out. So, she was lying down, open her legs, and then the, the male, Dango, just grab the swelling and with the thumb, uh, start stimulating the clitoris of Rita. Basically, he was masturbating Rita. So it was really interesting because they spent doing that maybe, I don't know for how long, maybe 10 minutes. And then she was really happy they have this kind of laughing sound that is like, ah, 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 ah. And she was doing that, she was really enjoying it, I can tell. Um, and they just spent like that 10 minutes, and it was, I was shocked <laughs> to see this uh, scene. But yeah, I don't know, there you go, they have your, this interesting story that I have the image of both of them doing that for a long time. But yeah, if you want to have pointy stories about primates, Elephants, stories in the forest, but yeah, there you go. This is the the one that the first one that just came to my mind. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm sure uh, she was happy about that. <laughs> Jesus. And uh, working with bonobos, I'm sure that's not the only story he has about those apes sexually stimulating one another um so yeah the male <laughs> performed oral sex on the female yeah that that sounds like bonobos um for those that don't know what a bonobo is it's a species that is in the same genus as chimpanzees in the pan, pan genus uh so chimpanzees is uh, pan troglodytes, bonobos is uh, pan peniscus. Uh, basically, they look kind of similar to a chimpanzee. They're a bit more gracile, so they're a bit more uh, thinner, lightly built. Um, they have darker faces and sort of like pink lips. They pretty much look like an Australopithecus, uh, which is a relic hominin, uh, one of like the first hominins in the human lineage they they look like how you would picture 
what a human evolved from. And I think actually now scientists are using bonobos as ancestral models rather than chimpanzees now. But bonobos are different to chimpanzees. They split from the chimpanzee uh, species or common ancestor with chimpanzee like 900,000 years ago. So the Congo River, while that was being formed, kind of isolated uh, a group and isolation leads to speciation. So they eventually uh, turned into a separate species. Um, for a long time, they thought chimpanzees and bonobos were the same, were both the same species. I think they were even called pygmy chimpanzees at one point. Uh, but their societies run very differently to chimpanzees. Chimpanzees are male-dominated, whereas bonobos are female-dominated. You will still get dominant males, but the it's the females that kind of form stronger coalitions amongst each other and uh, sort of make make the rules and the decisions and stuff. And in chimpanzees, uh, it's the male that leaves and goes into other groups in bonobos it's the females um so they work very differently they're a lot more uh peaceful than chimpanzees they don't really have wars with one another uh they can still show acts of aggression and 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 stuff like that but in a whole they they're a bit more placid than, than their fellow chimpanzee and um, this also involves a lot of sexual activity and not for reproduction uh, it's more of just a social thing like they will participate in orgies they will regularly sexually stimulate one another and we're not just talking about male and females we're talking about female on female male on male several males on males or females on females like it's whether or not it's for pleasure for sex i'm sure it plays a lot a big part in it but it's also a social thing like greetings um or if one needs cheering up or you know kind of like a handshake We've all seen aloe grooming amongst chimpanzees, and that happens amongst bonobos, but they'll also, you know, go up and give the other one a wristy. <laughs> like, very sexually precocious apes. Uh, if you look at chimpanzees as like, you know, the warriors and things like that then bonobos are kind of like the hippies I guess but that's not to say that there aren't conflicts between bonobos but just far less than there is with chimpanzees and uh, yeah I think if you're having that much sex <laughs> like you're probably going to be a little bit more placid um, so what what he was saying about like the sexual swelling it's you you would have seen photos of it uh certain primates especially ones that live in big groups that aren't monogamous the females will show sexual swelling to tell the male that she's sort of ready for um for mating um and yeah so that males obviously come up and yeah pride open that sexual swelling and 
played some, uh, gave, performed oral sex on her and she seemed pretty happy about it. I mean, hey, any bloke doing that for 10 minutes, you know, without getting a sore neck, hats off to you, mate. Yeah, he's a keeper. But (laughs) yeah, that is a really cool story, man. And like, uh, please send me some more. You said you've got some more with about primates and you know me, I, I love primates and the more I study about study and read up about primates it's, they just blow my mind um, and by the sounds of it bonobos they uh, blow each other as well oh god <laughs> sorry I had to do it <laughs> um, yeah keep them coming man that was awesome and I'm jealous of you getting to uh, work with bonobos I would love to um, as much as I'd love to see wild chimpanzees I think bonobos I'd love to see more just because they are just so different they're so weird and they're uh vastly more understudied than chimpanzees as well and i actually recently just finished reading a bonobo book by uh france deval a real famous primatologist so yeah thank you so much for that very interesting and erotic story keep them coming mate because i know the bonobos will keep sorry alright I'm going to stop now (laughs) okay next voice recording let's have a listen hi Adam my name's Leahi from the United States and I would love to hear your opinion on exotic pets I feel like I've noticed a huge increase of people on TikTok, Instagram all the social medias showing off their exotic animals and I've noticed more and more comments of people asking how they themselves can go about getting these kind of pets even if they might not have the proper knowledge or training or facility to house the animal. So just what your opinion is on this growing trend overall, anything you would say to someone who's looking to get this kind of pet, and any warnings you would give to people. Thanks. That's a really, really good question. And it's going to be a pretty complicated answer as well because there's so many different uh, scenarios where, yes exotic animals can make good pets depending on the animal and there are some exotic animals that just should not be kept in captivity um a lot of the animals that are being sold now have i mean what most of them have been bred in captivity through generations and generations um i mean not domesticated by any means uh they haven't had thousands of years of domestication like our dogs and cats um but we're talking generations and generations like if you're looking at a ball python for example that's an exotic animal and it's been bred in captivity for a long long time and i don't i mean i know there's still poachers taking them out of the wild because they might find one that has cool markings and they want those genetics or something but that happens very, very rarely, and uh, it's still an exotic animal. And I would say that a ball python would make a great pet. That's only if you know how to take care of it and look after it. You know, you have the right husbandry, you have the right enclosure for it. Never buy an exotic animal that you haven't researched or learn anything about. It's not as simple as just bunging one in, a, in a, an aquarium, you know? Uh, I have seen a lot of people these days getting 
you know, pets like sugar gliders, uh, kinkachus, things like that. And I, I don't know how long they've been bred in captivity for, whether or not they're still taking stock from the wild, uh, which isn't necessarily a problem unless there's you know, their population is diminishing because of it. But in saying that, you, it, it's always better to breed these things in captivity and use that stock. And after a while, after they've been bred in captivity, so long, I mean, these animals don't know what the wild is anymore because they've been bred for so long in captivity. Uh, heaps of these exotics. And if you were to release one into the wild, there's no way it would survive. And people say, oh, instincts will kick in. It's like, well, no, not necessarily. For example, in Australia, we're not allowed to keep exotic reptiles. Uh, we can only keep natives. I've got a Southwest carpet python. And you can find them around here. Um, I, I have been feeding it rats for so long that when I introduced it to a quail, it, it wouldn't eat it. It didn't know what it was. So you would think maybe instincts would kick in or go, okay, that's food because they will absolutely eat birds, um, you know, ducklings, things like that. But this snake has been in captivity for so long, it just doesn't know. So if I was to release it, barring it finds a rat and can just live off them, it, it would probably be very confused as to what to eat. Um, and that, that begs the question like, are zoos good? or bad and it depends it depends on the zoo some zoos are great uh, our zoo here in Perth was the sole reason why the Western Swamp they say Western Swamp tortoise it's a it's a turtle um, it there was only like 32 of them left or something in the wild and now there's hundreds of them and that's solely because of our zoos breeding programs uh, so Zoos definitely have a place, but it just depends on how you treat the animals and what the enclosures are like, because they don't... I mean, it is so rare that they would take an animal out of the zoo now for captivity. They're bred in captivity, the majority of them. Um, my only issues are cetaceans in captivity, like dolphins, orcas, pilot whales. I, I don't think that that should be the case. I don't think cetaceans should be kept uh, in captivity especially like the delphinidae's like the orcas and the dolphins. I mean orcas are such social animals living in these massive pods and some killer whales migrate, you know, the uh, transient ones. They they migrate for hundreds and hundreds of miles. And to have one in a pool is kind of like it just yeah, there's something wrong about that. Um and animals like primates being kept in captivity uh yeah I, d I don't think there is any private household that would be enough for a primate especially like a monkey and an ape like not a chance but a lot of people keep squirrel monkeys and capuchin monkeys capuchin monkeys especially the males they can get very very uh boisterous and once they get to a certain age they can turn pretty aggressive because in the wild capuchin monkeys their groups are male dominated and 
they want to be the alpha. And that can happen in captivity. And the amount of time you need to spend with these primates, it's basically a full-time job. It's like having a baby that can swing from your curtains, run around the place, bite you very hard if it wanted to. It, and you've just got to, it's a full-time job. And apes are just on the next level. People keeping chimpanzees in a house is just absolutely insane. Like, yeah, they're cute when they're babies, but when they grow up and weigh, you know, especially the males, 180 pounds plus, then they start wanting to be a chimpanzee, be a big male chimpanzee. And having the strength, I know people say they're like seven times stronger than humans, but they're probably not that much, but at least two, two and a half times stronger, absolutely. It's not a good combination. There is no house that can house an ape uh, like it should. So with monkeys and apes, personally, I don't think they should be kept privately by people. Um, your big cats, same deal, like, unless you have an amazing facility for them, then, yeah, see, big cats are, are a weird one, like, I know the gene bank, like, having captive tigers, if we ever need them for the wild again, is a good idea, but there are so many tigers that are, like, inbred, or they're a mixture of Bengal tiger and Siberian tiger and Indo-Chinese tiger. So the genes are muddy. That's if they're not inbred. So you, you probably would never be able to breed them for release into the wild. Um, but, like, I mean, I think there's more tigers in Texas than there is in the wild, which is insane. That's absolutely crazy. And they're privately owned tigers as well. Um... But big cats in zoos, for example, I, I hear it time and time again, people go, oh, it needs to be free and wild and running around. They have massive territories, which they do. But uh, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I, I don't really feel strongly either way because um, the circumstances are so, like, they're, they're just so, the, the line is so thin. Um do we actually know that these tigers want to be running around for miles hunting? Do we? We don't know. Uh, it's very stressful for a tiger to have to hunt every other day and especially hunting big game that can kick you, uh, that can impale you with horns. And if something like that happens, you get a broken bone in your foot or an impalement somewhere, there's a good chance that that animal will die, right? So being in a enclosure that is big, like you know, a good size enclosure for it, where it's not pacing up and down from boredom, where it has a lot of enrichment and gets its food brought to it, how do you know that that tiger doesn't actually like that, you know? And this is these are tigers that have never been in the wild, mind you. And I'm by no means saying that uh, 
tigers prefer to be in captivity than in the wild um no the, these are cats that have always been in captivity and don't know the wild uh i would never say take a big cat out of the wild and put it in captivity no not a chance i'm just saying that a captive cat that that's all it knows how do we know that it would if it was released it would uh prefer that you know having never done it before never hunted never had to deal with uh being gored or you know being injured during a hunt um i don't know maybe maybe they don't mind it okay but you do see videos of tigers lions just pacing up and down just from sheer boredom and that's absolutely horrible um, I think if a big cat should be in captivity, it needs a it needs a bloody good enclosure. If you're gonna have this thing in captivity, I mean you're not gonna rewild it, but if you have in captivity, it needs a massive enclosure. It needs daily stimulation, um, not bonobo style stimulation, although I'm sure it uh, wouldn't complain. Um, it, it needs enrichment, something to keep its mind busy as well as uh, physically. So it, it's very it's a very complicated issue keeping exotics as pets because everything's exotic until it's been kept in captivity long enough, right? I mean, even dogs are exotic to a certain degree. Dogs aren't natively found uh, in most countries. Um, so, yeah, like, I could probably do a whole episode on this issue. Um, but my stance on it is if you're going to keep an exotic animal steer clear of primates but just make bloody sure that you look after that thing properly alright you've got good and you've, you've you've researched a lot as well you need to know a lot about these animals before you keep them just make sure that they are as happy as 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 you can get them oh gee thanks for that uh, question and I mean I'm sorry if that was a confusing answer but yeah, I, I, I've, I'm two, in two minds about it, depending on the situation. So thanks for that recording. And if you have any more, send them through. Cheers. Okay, our last recording of the day is from David. Take it away, David. Davo. Hey, Adam. My name's David. I am from the Philippines. And I've been very into drawing dinosaurs and reading about dinosaurs lately. So I was wondering what animals alive today do you think are the most like the prehistoric creatures of our past? And I was wondering if you could give me an example for both terrestrial animals and aquatic animals. And no, you cannot say the coelacanth for aquatic because I guess that's a little bit obvious. Thank you and I hope you have a good day. That's a really cool question, David. Um, I also like to draw dinosaurs. I'm no good at it. Uh, you would probably be a lot better than me. In fact, a toddler's probably a lot better than me, but hey, don't stop me from trying. Um, yeah, so the animals that we have now that are most like dinosaurs, um, I mean, a very obvious answer is birds, because birds are dinosaurs. They are avian dinosaurs. They are direct descendants from theropods, which are, you know, the Tyrannosaurus rex, the raptors... Uh, in fact, most of the raptors, if not all of them, to some degree, were feathered. And if you were to see a, let's say, a velociraptor, you know, 75 million years ago, you probably wouldn't say, 
well, look at that weird lizard that walks around on two legs, you would say, look at that weird-looking bird. Um, I mean, Jurassic Park kind of had this misconception that the dinosaurs were like all skin scales and you know shrink wrapped that look on them but no they they actually looked much different to that and birds aren't just like descendants of dinosaurs they are dinosaurs and they come from a clade or a super clade called archosaurs and crocodilians and birds are the last surviving archosaurs um, and I mean, crocodilians, uh, I think the first order that appeared, I think it was like 450 million years ago, I think it was called Sudasuka or something. Um, and that was like the precursor to crocodilia, the crocodilia order. Um, and they were... You know, animals like the Dinosuchus or the Sarcosuchus, which were gigantic crocodiles. The Sarcosuchus resembled like a massive gharial. Uh, the Dinosuchus was like a huge alligator-looking thing. Um, and that lineage, that clade, has, uh, still exists. Um, and sa same with birds. Birds have actually been around since the time of dinosaurs. And so have mammals, actually. You know, there were mammals knocking about during the dinosaur time. Absolutely there was. Hundreds of millions of years, and uh, mammals or mammal-like uh, animals existed. In fact, the clade Uriconta uh, emerged like 85, 86 million years ago, and that gave rise to, like, uh, tree shrews and colugos, which are like the flying lemurs. Um which eventually speciated into primates 65, 75 million years ago. So I, I know that's not really your question, but I'm just saying that like mammals have been around since the time of dinosaurs, you know, late Cretaceous. Um, and birds are dinosaurs. Now, if we're going into marine animals, uh, I know you've put the kibosh on uh, the coelacanth, um, but there are a lot of other like lobe lobe finned uh, fish. I mean, you look at the lungfish; that actually is the closest living uh, relative of the tetrapods, and tetrapods are mammals. Amphibians, reptiles, birds are also tetrapods. And that is like the lineage that was that evolved from fish. I mean, there's always the argument that humans are technically fish because we all evolved from fish-like ancestor. Um, but the lungfish is the most directly related to like the original tetrapod or what came out of tetrapods. And the lungfish is, you know, that that has been around for like three, four hundred million years, uh, virtually unchanged. Um, speciated, yes, but physically they look very similar. Same as a coelacanth. Um, no animal stops evolving. Okay, you can say, oh, sharks have been around for, 
you know, 400 million years. Uh, but no, great white sharks haven't been around for 400 million years. Carcharodon uh, carcaris as a species hasn't been around for 400 million years. That, I think, sort of started... I think it split from the last common ancestor of the Mako shark, like maybe four, 45 million years ago, something like that. Um, but that lineage of cartilaginous fish has been around for a hell of a long time so if you want to see basically what living dinosaurs are or living prehistoric animals look at lungfish look at birds look at crocodilians because if you were to go back in time they would look very similar eerily similar uh and you know you always look at the megalodon and these days, well, I mean, they used to think that the uh, great white shark was um, another in the same genus as Megalodon, but they've actually changed that genus. So I think they think Megalodon looked more like a big tiger shark or something rather than a giant great white shark. Uh, but yeah, I, I hope this answers some of your questions. I know I, I get carried away with myself and make it way more confusing than it actually is. Uh, but I, I just think a lot of people don't realize that if you're looking at a bird you're looking at an avian dinosaur and i think that's really really cool and uh yeah look at the lungfish as well i mean just looking at it it looks bloody prehistoric it looks in between a reptile and a fish just the scales and also has uh limbs where it can kind of walk i mean they just like these little bits of tentacle things sticking out but they just look prehistoric and that group of animals, which are the lungfish, are. They're the closest living relative to like our, where we evolved from a long, long time ago. A long, long time ago. So, yeah. I hope that answered your question, man. And um, that concludes this episode of Thorn's Jungle. I, I figured this episode will do just listener questions and topics. Um, and I mean, I, I, I'm loving answering them, to be honest. So if you have one, if you have a question, topic, interesting story, send it to me. Doesn't matter what it is, just send it to me and uh, I'd love to talk about it. Um, and yeah, if you haven't already, please subscribe and rate the podcast, preferably five stars, please. I'll be your friend. And uh, I'll see you next week on another episode of Thorn's Jungle. Maybe next episode we'll get into a topic which I really wanted to do a long time ago and I completely bloody... I did it about two or three times and for some reason it didn't record properly. Um, but yeah, next week I'm going to get into a nightmarish cryptid as well as answering some uh, listener questions, topics and uh, cool stories. So see you then.